Welcome to the ACID Science Podcast, the official podcast of the Association for Critical and Interdisciplinary Thinking. We are a global nonprofit organization dedicated to spreading education around artificial intelligence, neuroscience, and social change. In this podcast, we are hoping to provide insightful discussions with young professionals and world-leading researchers alike. I'm your host, Manuel Prenner, and now, without any further ado, let's jump right in. I'm here with Cheryl van Hof. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, just as a short introduction, who you are, what your background is. You hold a degree in computer science from Eindhoven Technical University, and then also made a, an MBA from Rotterdam Erasmus University, and you are now doing your PhD. But um, in between your PhD and your, and your studies, there lies probably a longer and more eventful period than from our previous guests and the also the average PhD student. You were senior vice president and CIO at international companies like Philips, and you are also an advisor and investor to startups and currently working as transformation executive at, at Volvo. So you have a background in the business world and are also experienced in like the digital business components and like the role information technologies play um, in, in the modern business world. And considering AI is a huge information technology, um, we will also get into more detail later how AI is shaping the modern business world and what influence it has on, on the economy and these kind of things. But at the same time, you are currently doing a PhD in artificial intelligence and robotics at Delft Technical University. And this is probably the, the reason we, we are in touch and we have this common shared interest in AI and intelligence and I think the scientific perspective on neuroscience, intelligence, robotics is something we can spend a lot of time talking about. So I think that there are these two, two main roads we can take, the scientific perspective and the business perspective. Um, but before we get into that, um, just as a general question, what motivated you to get back into the university and start a PhD after all your experience in the, in the business world? Yes, very nice question. Well, uh, actually, then I have to tell a little bit about my history and then it falls nicely into place because actually uh, uh, I was one of the first students in the Netherlands uh, for information technology. And I was, uh, the, the, let's say, that generation that uh, got a home computer at home and a TRS-80 Tandy color computer. Uh, which, uh, of course, uh, was fascinating for me at uh, that age. And, uh, uh, of course, at that time, uh, I didn't have the money to buy any games, so I had to make them myself. Uh, amongst others, I, uh, for example, uh, I programmed Pac-Man and uh, had great fun with it. Uh, then, of course, after I, uh, I finished high school, I went uh, to the university and uh, studied information technology. That was a very obvious choice. And indeed, as you refer to after that, I, I went working and uh, let's say after a couple of years in my career, I also figured out that uh, I wanted to have more business uh, language and, uh, and background knowledge to, uh, to basically exploit all the great opportunities of IT also in a business context setting. So I did my MBA at Erasmus University in Rotterdam. But to be honest, I, uh, I always kept that, uh, let's say, uh, that... Uh, that uh, That's a passion for information technology, programming, and uh, all the amazing capabilities that came out of it. So, and after a couple of years, um, the the whole uh, artificial intelligence uh, came to fruition. And of course, when I went to university, there was also some form of artificial intelligence, but uh, of course, that didn't you know, contribute too much yet to the world. But uh, in recent years, you saw, I saw... Uh, to my delight that, uh, let's say, there was a whole new energy coming from this uh, uh, artificial intelli intelligence technology into, uh, into the world that uh, started to fascinate me. So I, uh, I started to uh, explore with it and in my uh, free time uh, figure out, uh, basically, I, I pro I, one of my first uh, neural networks that I programmed was a reinforcement learning to win, uh, of course, Pac-Man. So I complete <laughs> cycle. And, uh, uh, and, I, and basically, I was hooked. I, uh, I, uh, I, I thought, hey, this is really, really interesting. Uh, so I, I tried out all the type of neural networks, 
etc., uh, etc. Et got deeper into it, but also at certain moment I figured out like, yeah, uh, more data, uh, more compute power probably will get a little bit more results or still fantastic results, but it is not the, the breakthrough yet in, in true artificial intelligence. And that's when I got, uh, let's say, uh, and at a certain moment I had the opportunity to uh, to combine work with uh, with with, uh, with a PhD. Uh, so I grabbed that opportunity and uh, started my uh, PhD at the university at, uh, at Delft uh, uh, part-time uh, in combination with uh, with working in that case indeed uh, at Volvo Cars in Sweden. So uh, uh, for me that was ideal. I, uh, I could uh, combine uh, my passion and uh, combine it with uh, actually uh, uh, using information technology and AI in, in the business context uh, as well. So uh, uh, yeah, that worked very well for me. You, you mentioned that more data doesn't necessarily give us more AI or more intelligence. So that, that whole vocabulary, that whole term intelligence is, is still highly disputed and you say that to get to true general intelligence still requires a couple of steps. So maybe as a very vague starting question, what is general intelligence for you and what makes intelligence special? Uh, uh, actually, I don't know. Uh, 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 I'll just follow the definitions uh, that I uh, see floating around in the various papers and, uh, and the various books that I read. Um, uh, what I do know, and uh, basically let me take the example back to the Pac-Man learning. Uh, of course, when I trained uh, 20, 30, 40, 100 million game screens, uh, I noticed, of course, that Pac-Man was great in, uh, in, uh, in uh, clearing the first uh, screen and the second screen. But at the moment I hit the third screen with a new maze. Uh, it, it, it simply bumped straight into ghosts. And for me, it was clear uh, that the algorithm learned to recognize pixels, uh, but had no clue that a ghost actually is dangerous. Uh, okay. So it didn't uh, generalize, I think, is, a, is then the terminology in, in AI that is, uh, that is often used. But I started to figure out that uh, it is not just uh, there is more uh, uh, to it than just remembering pixels and, and see the, let's say, the, 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 yeah, the relationship between pixels. So, um, that, that caught me, yeah, uh, thinking on, uh, okay, what is it that I, I, I need, uh, I want to do more? And of course, like in many technology advances, you look to the, to the, to nature to, uh, get your inspiration and then you get into the wonderful world of uh, neuroscience. And uh, yeah, there I uh, walked into the, uh, let's say, uh, active inference or free energy principles of uh, Carl Friston. Um, actually, it was my uh, professor, Martijn Miss, who pointed that out, who was uh, uh, making that, uh, that link. And uh, for me, that made complete sense because uh, A, the more I read about it, the more I thought, well, I think it's a very, it's a very good point he's bringing forward. So he, he I, th I do think he has an, uh, a handle or a, or an insight or an, uh, an, an, a possibility to, to the next, uh, to really true uh, artificial intelligence. And uh, I think it's, it's good to have a, a, a neurosciences framework uh, uh, as insight of the, of the, of the principles that you apply. So I'm, I'm a software architect and uh, of a software and, uh, engineer, programmer, architect, whatever you want to call it. But basically, I learned in my career that uh, if you want to do large IT programs like large SAP implementations or whatever, pick one, something that costs 100 million plus. Uh, one of the first things I, I learned, of course, to make uh, really sure that you have a good, well thought through architecture. And then the architecture concept in this uh, in this artificial intelligence world, of course, I think is, uh, is neurosciences where you where they have some, some great ideas, uh, I think that could be worthwhile to explore further. And, and, and uh, yeah, I think that's, that's when I stumbled upon the, 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 the fantastic work, uh, world of, uh, and work of Carl Friston. And uh, yeah, I got a little bit hooked to, uh, to dig into that uh, subject. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that from an engineering perspective, um, creating intelligent systems almost seems a bit unbelievable, but considering that we in the form of brains already have intelligent systems around us, it's, it's 
seems good advice for the AI community to just look to new neuroscience for inspiration because what we consider to be general intelligence systems are human brains. So they have to work on some principles that could be useful for us to, to also apply in the way we shape our algorithms and build our architectures. So Carl Fristen's free energy principle is causing or has caused quite this year in the AI and neuroscience community, but it's also famously difficult to understand, especially for laymen. And um, so maybe we can we can try to make the, the um, free energy principle as, as approachable as we can in this short period of time. We have both also written about it online and tried to popularize it. You also created these Kaggle notebooks um, trying to explain free energy principle for people without a PhD. So how would you explain free energy principle to someone without a PhD or without a background in AI and neuroscience? Yeah, indeed. indeed you're, you're absolutely right. So uh, imagine, uh, so I, I've been working and uh, let's say in all kinds of business concepts and in executive boardrooms. And uh, then I had to go back to uh, actually understand uh, integrals and probability theories and uh, God knows whatever. So I can tell you the, the first times I tried to read this papers, it was quite scary because I actually had no clue at all what was all the math doing over there and why it would be correct. So I had to uh, let's say, uh, reintroduce myself to uh, to all these type of uh, concepts uh, and, and, and learn them again. Partly, of course, I, I, I've done somewhere in my past, but I can tell you if you have not uh, been applying all kinds of mathematics the last 20 years, uh, it's not that easy to recall, it, uh, uh, to recall it back. But there's a good thing nowadays that I didn't have when I was studying, and that's called uh, Internet and YouTube. So uh, fascinating how much you can learn from uh, simply Googling and, uh, you know, repair your bike uh, until repair your washing machine, but also uh, how to do uh, very difficult integrations. Uh, uh, you can learn them all on the Internet. Just uh, click on there, follow a couple of these uh, videos, and uh, uh, let's say you actually can you can, can do a lot for yourself. So I uh, just... Uh, started to uh, dive in and uh, dive deeper and just uh, hold on and uh, uh, read uh, many of his papers in parallel. That is, uh, uh, read until I got stuck and then uh, try another paper until I got stuck. But then I found clues in other papers again that, uh, let's say, unhooked some other stuck elements in other papers. So by reading them in parallel, I got uh, step by step a little bit further in understanding. And of course, I had great help of the university with other colleagues and uh, friends over there. That was also so uh, digging in and uh, trying to understand step by step more of uh, of the theory, and um, but I also promised myself like yeah let's try to write it down because I think this this deserves uh, more attention. There is uh, um, uh, let's say that there is something in his uh, in his uh, theory or framework of free energy principle that that is that is correct. It is is the a link to uh, true uh, intelligence in my belief but uh, it's the, the learning curve is uh, quite steep and of course i had these special circumstances to have a business background uh, and, and you know and uh, there's a running joke about executives that uh, if you want to tell something to an executive you have better make it very simple else he doesn't understand it so i <laughs> yeah. thought well let's try to write down, in this case, I use Kaggle notebooks to write it down in such a way that uh, I could understand myself when I would be reading this for the first time. So I did my best to write down, indeed, uh, the free energy principle in a, in a digestible way, uh, in, uh, in less uh, in the math language and more in the English language to, uh, to, to go step by step, understanding the, the, the let's say, the, the concepts. And yeah, in the end, uh, I, I, I truly believe it's uh, mathematical rigorous. So I understand all the, the logical steps. It is uh, biological plausible, um, at least what I can see from my limited understanding of neurosciences. But uh, of course, uh, I, uh, I see all the references Carl Frister makes and many other people on, on how it could work uh, uh, biologically. Uh, I think that's uh, uh, very good. But also, I think it's it's evolutionary plausible. I think that's also a very uh, strong, uh, let's say, uh, part of the whole concept that I understand which logical steps uh, could have been progressing over the evolution to, uh, to to let's say to come to this level. And this theory 
uh, of the free energy principle, uh, let's say, uh, relates very nicely to it. Uh, your question was also, uh, please explain a few words. Um, uh, that's kind of hard. But if I would try to give it a, an elevator pitch, I, I think uh, a couple of cornerstones is in, in this theory. And uh, one of this is uh, what I call the predictive mind or the predictive brain. So the concept is that the brain uh, tries to predict uh, all the things that uh, that's happening. And uh, as long as the prediction is okay, it, it works fine. But if the prediction is wrong, then uh, other hypotheses start working in your brain to try to figure out what could explain the, the let's say, the delta or the prediction error of what you thought that was going to happen and, and what's happening. And I think that's the concept, uh, that's, that's a strong concept in it. Uh, in, in for machine learning people, uh, basically, because we're not talking about one-off uh, predictions, but we're talking about sensory streams of uh, neuronal information flowing into the brain um, uh, or sensory information. Uh, basically, you have the opportunity to, to start predicting the next uh, thing that would happen. Uh, and by uh, by that, you have, an, 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 let's say, you don't have to label all your, uh, let's say, uh, inputs. It's basically you try to predict the next uh, let's say a video frame in an, uh, in, an, in, an, in, an, in an in a video uh, or the next sound bind in in, in the sound, and that mechanism uh, let's say uh, results in not only that you start predicting it, but that you also start understanding uh, or start to generate uh, more abstract time invariant uh, uh, concepts around it to start better and better predicting it, uh, e.g. If I roll a pen over the table, uh, the pixels that uh, that uh, are, uh, let's say, uh, on my retina, of course, uh, uh, there is a natural law that the pen does not suddenly, uh, uh, let's say, disappear or uh, or uh, fall apart. So the, the the pixels keep together, and it's that type of uh, things uh, of the natural world that the brain started to uh, learn um, and uh, let's say start to, to, to incorporate. And in the end, uh, the free energy principle or, or active inference, uh, as I like to call it, that minimizes the free energy is just about prediction error minimization uh, uh, of both, let's say, the sensory inputs and the, let's say, the hidden states uh, that could cause that sensory input. And uh, that's the basis of the, of, the, of the network. And there's a lot of uh, um, very interesting math behind it. But um, you, after you follow all my notebook, it all turns out to a, a prediction um, a minimization scheme, which is sometimes called also a predictive coding. Um, and uh, yeah, it's very interesting to see that it all works. Yeah, um, I think yeah, a crucial cornerstone of, of the free energy principle is really these uh, the internal models of the world that the brain has and these implicit assumptions about the way the world is and behaves and the, world, the way the world could develop into the future. And this always necessitates a certain understanding, a certain model within the brain that can understand how light falls, understands how things move, and you can apply that to a lot of different things. And these models can also be hierarchically structured in the sense that you can have on a very basic level, you can predict um, yeah, that the way that, that the pen rolling off the table is kind of a coherent structure that is moving in a certain way and will look the same way. But you can move certain levels of abstraction up until you, you can see that the brain implicitly knows that there are something like countries and then that there's Europe and the world and the universe. So we, as human beings that are constantly getting information from the external world into our brain and have to kind of pass through this information to, to create a model of the world, um, we have to can use then these models to, to understand the, both the input that we get, but not only leave it like that, but then predict the future state of the world based on, on this. And you talk about the free energy principle as minimizing this prediction error. There's also this, this term called surprise with yeah. relationship to that, that the free energy is basically a measure of surprise. Can, right. you, can you explain a little bit how, how that fits, fits in together? 
No, no, exactly. And uh, let's say I, I was also a little bit puzzled always about why is it called free energy and why do you want to minimize it? It's, it's, I'm Dutch, so my first reaction was it's free. Why do you want to minimize it? Of course, that was not the right <laughs> connotation. Uh, uh, let's say so free energy. If you roughly translate it to surprise, uh, then you're then you're minimizing surprise. Uh, hence, prediction error minimization is the, is the connotation is then the logic. Um, and that goes back to the to, to the point that you make. You, you start predicting, um, and the better you predict, the less the surprise. Um, and um, hence, you have uh, 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 prediction errors that, uh, that 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 flow down to into the let's say to the to the areas in your brain where you uh, receive the, all the sensory inputs, and uh, upwards or front of your brain uh, uh, goes more and more higher abstraction levels of the interpretation of that sensory data, uh, which is typically also what we see in the neural networks. Uh, you know, you, you see first an, uh, a picture of an elephant and then the, the next layer see contours and then the next layer start uh, to, to, to shape a concept of like an elephant, etc., etc. Uh, uh, similar like, uh, let's say, that type of concepts uh, sit also in the free energy. Also, what I try to do is every time bridge in my mind uh, uh, and compare it to artificial neural networks, because of course that's a concept more and more, let's say, people uh, understand and as a, as a rich uh, a group of data scientists and machine learning people and et cetera, et cetera. So people can relate to that framework and I try to understand what's now exactly the difference uh, between an artificial neural network and uh, and, uh, and a free energy uh, or an active inference uh, uh, network. And indeed, they're both are hierarchical and et cetera, et cetera. But there are a couple of differences that are interesting to, to explore. Because, uh, um, uh, for example, one of the differences, it's called active inference because it's got a component that's important that's and it's called action. Uh, and, a, and a traditional or, or first round neural, artificial neural network doesn't have that. And I think that part of action is a very important part. Uh, uh, let's say uh, that, that actually was the, the starting point or the birth place of intelligence uh, with this very simple logic that uh, because uh, very simple, um, uh, let's say, uh, early beings, uh, ancestral beings, uh, no, that's not the right word, not ancestral, but uh, let's say the, uh, the, the, the beings, very primal beings, uh, uh, of course, when you have the capability for action, of course, the next thing that you want to do is have an insensible uh, action or a good action that actually improves your chances for survival. And that drives, that drove the, the starting point of, uh, let's say, uh, the, the, let's say the need or the necessity to actually uh, build a model of the world, uh, the generative model we talked about to, to start learning that, uh, that concept. That's, that started to learn. The, the let's say the, the that spiked the the the, the need to to to, to yeah you know, to build models of the world to better actually understand the results of your actions uh, and i think that also correlates very nicely with the the, the work of and i hope i pronounce his name right but the georgi bushsaki uh, which also pitches that idea uh, about, uh, let's say, action being uh, the, 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 the centerpiece uh, of, of, of it all. It's the uh, uh, um, action perception loop, not the other way around, was his argument. But I think there are a number of elements come together, and I'm, 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 so I'm also fascinated that in the free energy principle, the, 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 or the active inference concept, that the word the action part is so uh, prominent uh, in place. Yeah, that that action plays such a prominent role because in in the free energy principle, you can maybe think about it in terms of you you make predictions about the state of the world, and if your prediction is not something you want to see realized, then you can act to to make the world actually be that way that you predicted it to be. So it's it's a way of of minimizing surprise in in yep. that equation is to just. For me, there was a, indeed, for me, there was a kind of aha moment. So the, the, the concept, if you want to move your arm, it's not an engineering principle that you can start calculating the muscle strengths. It's the other way around. You, 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 you predict that your arm is uh, up or whatever this is where you want to have your arm to be. And then, uh, let's say, uh, by moving your arm, you actually start fulfilling your own prediction. That's a little bit the concept behind it. 
Yeah, and with respect to this um, inside-out approach that Buseki talks about, it's it's quite interesting to see that with um, if you if you get a fake limb, for example, um, after an operation, a robot arm basically, that that your brain that is just attached to your nerves in your arm, then people will really quickly figure out um, how to operate that arm just based on trial and error because um, you don't really need to know from first principle how do you move this arm but you just the, the brain is really good at just trying out certain certain signals and remembering those that led to fruitful action to 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 useful actions and those that actually like in that prediction frame if there's an action that leads your arm to come up and fulfill the prediction of, of having the arm actually being up there, then it's successful and it minimizes surprise. So then it's it's thought as a useful action. And so you can actually make use of the fact that yeah, you don't need to tell like hard code each um, fake fake limp based on um, un deep understanding of how the brain codes, but the brain will figure it out on itself. Basically, yep. yeah, and we, we tested that at the university in Delft also with robotic arms. And uh, if you see how they move, uh, I vote they move quite naturally. Let's put it that way. So, uh, of course, that this is not a scientific proof, but uh, it looks quite good. Yeah, that whole action aspect also fits in nicely to the to the the point of. Of artificial intelligence and robotics institutes actually collaborating closely or being at the same um, the same faculty basically and so how, yeah. how 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 does your work do you actually work together with roboticists or how does does your work tie in together with what, uh, what yeah, they in, at the TU Delft I'm uh, an, uh, a part of the department called uh, cognitive science and artificial intelligence sorry cognitive robotics and artificial intelligence um, so it's it's a robotics department. So and it was not a coincidence because I believe that, um, uh, like many others, that that part of that breakthrough that we need is to apply uh, this into kind of robotic environments because they closely mimic uh, the real world environments that our brains need to operate in. So as long as I've given a little, uh, simple MNEST example uh, for a neural network to learn, it's, it, it misses the complexity of the real world. And I think the complexity of the real world is the, the key also that you need to, to, to get a breakthrough in, uh, in uh, artificial, uh, true artificial intelligence. And I can tell you, by the way, I'm also part of a robotic soccer team. And I can tell there is a there is a there is all there is a vast difference between all the beautiful concepts that you invent on paper or do in a simulator and then what you see happening in the field. It's vastly different. I can tell you. Yeah, true. I mean, nature didn't have the the luxury of having um, animals just die out, so it definitely has to work. And nature can't really start with pen and paper and figure out a beautiful like conceptual framework for, for developing the algorithm, but it has to has to work and it has to be able to adapt quickly or it just dies out. Yeah. And I think that's it's maybe also one of the interesting key aspects of the free energy principle that it's connected to evolution and connected to like how living systems actually operate. And this whole idea of um, um, this predictive brain being integrated into this Bayesian framework and in, in the Bayesian framework, they're always being a measure of uncertainty. So there's um, like these two big approaches to statistics as the frequentist and the, the Bayesian approach and the Bayesian approach really active, actively incorporates um, prior knowledge and actively incorporates uncertainty into, into your approach to, to the world. And I think this is from a evolutionary perspective, like a really key key idea to to model a being acting intelligently in the, in the natural world because there's always like a limit to what you can know about the world and there's always like a huge limit to what you can predict about the world so there's always this measure of you need to be able to to react to different circumstances and really have in your model of the world this measure of uncertainty 
Ja, 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 maar I fully agree to that, or, or the, 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 what they call the lazy brain principle. I mean, there's so many signals that the brain could react upon, but somehow we have a very, uh, very good filter to understand what part we want to react on and what not. Yeah, and these, these filters are also part of these um, like Bayesian hierarchical frameworks that really you make a prediction and have a prediction error about the... Um, the input you were expecting and the input you got. And if that prediction error is not too too large, so if everything is going according to a to plan, according to expectation, then certain elements of your brain don't really get triggered. And you don't really, I mean, we can, we can also talk about attention and consciousness and how that relates to these, to, to these ideas about intelligence. But in that sense, you, in these hierarchically structured um, predictive frameworks, then you don't really need to, you don't need to worry about most of the input you get into the brain, most of the information you get into into it. So you you kind of have the the luxury of being lazy, as you said. Yeah, yeah. So what would how would you relate the free energy principle to to this evolutionary perspective, or maybe? I don't know how how deeply you you went into the relationship to thermodynamics and why it's actually called free energy and where that term comes from and how uh, you can not, understand not, this comparison. Not too deep, although I understand the the, the, the let's say the, the argument and the concept. So uh, uh, indeed, uh, free energy actually goes beyond uh, artificial intelligence, right? It's 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 a it's a principle of uh, of of. Uh, Everything around us, um, uh, if I follow the logic of uh, Carl Friston, uh, and, and uh, uh, let's say uh, intelligence was also a product of it, or, or let's say maybe even a byproduct, who knows? Uh, um, uh, so he has some very interesting uh, uh, podcasts, uh, also Don, where he, uh, where he explains that. I will not try to uh, repeat his words, uh, <laughs> but he uh, indeed, the, 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 there is a core. Yeah, this is a sort of mathematical law concept uh, or principle that's 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 at work uh, in in the broader picture, and hence uh, also, let's say, uh, artificial intelligence or intelligence, sorry, is a logical result of it. There, besides the the free energy principle, which is kind of the overarching theory, there is also a couple of other really interesting aspects to to intelligence. One we have also already talked about is the relationship of spatial thinking to intelligence and maybe also kind of an evolutionary perspective of how intelligence could have arisen from spatial thinking. Can you explain a little bit what these relationships might be? And Yeah, I, I think from? I... Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, no, I, I, have a, I have a concept in my mind and, uh, and let's say uh, uh, based upon many, many papers that I read and uh, also many books. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, uh, um, the, let's say, um, my, my, the storyline is like this. And I think in the book, uh, indeed, of, uh, of uh, Buzaski, he, he has written it, but I think it's also mentioned in the book of uh, sorry all the names Barbara Tervesky I, I saw there as well and I'm, I buy into these type of uh, concepts so I think the, 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 there are evolutionary steps how spatial thinking is the basis for our intelligence and that started what we discussed earlier with, uh, with uh, action uh, and action leads to uh, you want to do the intelligent actions to uh, actually increase your chance of survival which which creates the need for uh, for a simple brain uh, then the the next logical step you you can you can imagine is that you know if you have action you can start moving and then with moving you get concepts as uh, dead reckoning and other things that basically uh, dead reckoning means basically if you move uh, a certain time and you have to go back to where you came from but uh, even uh, ants can do and other many other uh, species uh, and, and we also know it as humans uh, we, we know how to go back where we came from um, uh, to a certain extent <laughs> to a certain extent 
to uh, so 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 somehow you have an uh, 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 let's say uh, a slam mechanism in your uh, in your uh, word uh, using uh, uh, some some terminology from uh, uh, robotics uh, uh, simultaneous location and mapping. So you uh, and that's also what the place and the grid cells do in your uh, in your brain. Uh, they uh, it's a recognizing uh, places around you and it's uh, uh, let's say so the mapping part and the localization part is understanding. Uh, how your head is uh, turned and uh, if you move to the left or to the right that you understand that you can go back so that combination uh, is also what we what we use in robotics to uh, to drive your robots uh, back uh, or uh, understand where you are on the map and drive your robots around uh, uh, autonomously uh, that type of concepts uh, is uh, is also grid and play cells and then the next level, of course, is that you can imagine that, uh, let's say, uh, you not only use it on physical uh, objects, but also on non-physical uh, objects, so uh, imaginary objects. So then you get these concepts also of distance and something is more or further in, in, the, in the abstract world. Um, uh, and then uh, it's, it's an easy bridge to, uh, let's say, to the, to the last layer as uh, uh, Buzaski uh, uh, position it, that you can start uh, uh, pretending or imagining uh, yourself doing actions um, uh, um, and the results of those actions um, in the let's say in the future. So you you don't have to do it. So the crucial step between the previous step and this step is in the previous step you actually had to do it uh, to predict your result, and now you can imagine that you can do it, and then you can still predict the results. Um, so so those are the logical steps uh, they pitch and I buy into to how intelligence uh, uh, could have emerged um, but it all started with the action and uh, the need to uh, to do a, uh, a sensible action to increase your uh, survival rates um, and then predict your own action and then you've got causation also in the mix because it's uh, uh, an action has a result and then you start predicting results etc etc so it's uh, uh, let's say I, I didn't prepare a, a pitch like this but you know it, it sounds it, it comes together right I mean I, yeah, yeah. I can follow that logic and uh, uh, so I buy into that uh, uh, that type of thinking. I mean, what also underlies this is the idea that nature is really good at recycling certain structures that are already existing in the brain and just recycling them for different, more sophisticated uses. And it's pretty clear that really, yeah, abstract thinking, mathematics doesn't come out of out of a vacuum evolutionary speaking so there has to be some kind of structure within our brain that has more pragmatic needs like you mentioned dead reckoning for ants finding finding a way back home navigating in three-dimensional space that's a task every single animal has to fulfill to to a degree really understanding distances in in space it's all very, really crucial and then you have in the hippocampus and the entorhinal cortex these place and grid cells that can already encode this kind of information and then through uh, some like random act of of evolution and a lot of time passing you, you suddenly start to that the brain starts to figure out that you can actually encode different kinds of information with that like um, abstract concepts for example and use the same kind of structure the same kind of language to think uh, this apple is this size and this apple is uh, larger than that and then there's a spectrum between them and you can say like this apple is more close to the one apple than this apple to the other one or like pretty random example with the apple but we can think about the world in these kind of concepts and we can abstract and compare things to each other and understand similarity and understand difference yep. i think that there's really good reason to to believe that that's rooted in spatial thinking and it's also really interesting to, to think about like the, the queen of, of science, of, of all abstract thinking, mathematics, that some people also claim that like, every mathematical operation you can do, it's pretty obvious with summation or multiplication. You can just have like a couple of coins on, on the table on one side and a couple on the other side, and then you put them together. That's an operation in space, which equates to summation. But you can also move up levels of abstraction and still always have 
kind of an underlying action in in the in the world that's underlying every mathematical thought and thereby every yeah like abstract thought you can have i think that's like a cool cool story you can you can tell yeah. and the uh, but but also then the, the 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 other side of the coin maybe also good to uh, to relate to that because there are some really strong concepts from neuroscience but if you look at the pragmatic results, I mean, we got daily uh, success stories of uh, artificial neural networks, uh, let's say, making next uh, uh, headlines in uh, breakthroughs. Uh, while, of course, with the, the, the strong concepts, in, uh, uh, let's say, coming from uh, the, the neurological, uh, let's say, papers, they, 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 they are still stuck with papers um, uh, and more... Uh, uh, difficult math, so so, uh, and that's also why I I, I started to write uh, 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 the free energy without a PhD because I believe that there are some really strong concepts in there uh, that should, more and more people should uh, know about it, and that's why I published on uh, Kaggle also for machine learning and data scientists and order to to stick their nose into it in the hope that more and more people get interested and uh, and uh, more people start to also marry the concepts uh, of uh, neurosciences uh, with, with, with the artificial neural networks. And uh, somewhere there, I believe, there, there, there hopefully is a, is a next breakthrough uh, to, to, to either, uh, let's say, uh, maybe simplify, uh, uh, let's say, active inference and more back to the basics of a simple neural network or the other way around bring some of the of the neuroactive inference concepts into the uh, neural networks to actually uh, uh, create uh, a more uh, uh, complex but also more powerful or capable uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, capabilities or, or use cases or, or results I think somewhere is a, is there is an uh, is an interesting field to uh, to further uh, uh, explore because the way I look at it now I think that neural networks are a special case of an active inference network they are um, let's say they are the a simplified version and the the, the active inference brings more rich richness to it and uh, we talked about it about uh, the action part for example. Um, uh, 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 but also, I think one of the main differences is that if you look to a neural network, it's only it's it's one way. If I do inference, it's one one way uh, from, from from bottom to top. But active inference uh, with prediction, it's two way. It's uh, it's uh, uh, from from bottom to top, eh? from from uh, sensory signals to um, invariant uh, 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 concepts that give meaning to something, but also the other way around, the prediction is coming down. So the prediction is, 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 uh, is, is, is getting into the mix as well uh, on each and every level. So uh, I, I do believe that neural networks are um, a, a simpler case of, uh, of, uh, of active inference, uh, of course, Many people can argue with me that I'm, uh, uh, let's say, overseeing things, and that I might be wrong. I might even be, but that's that's a little bit what I have in my mind. So I'm carefully trying to understand it also through the lens of uh, of the success stories of neural networks and see how active inference uh, might uh, benefit from that, or the other way around. So so I think. That's also a little bit my pitch for more people to simply go out there, uh, read about uh, active inference, uh, uh, e.g. pick some of your, uh, let's say, publications, Manuel, or uh, my Kaggle notebooks, but start reading about it. I think it's very interesting uh, theory that uh, that indeed might uh, hold the key to uh, true artificial intelligence. Yeah, the, in the AI community, there seems to be this based on the huge success story of deep neural nets and CNNs and these kind of architectures that are really have changed the entire landscape in the last 10 years, there seems to be um, something profoundly lacking behind their basic ideas, the way they, they can, I mean, there's people that hope that just scaling up these architectures will get us more intelligence and like after the 
famous Morris different, just getting more data will provide a qualitative difference and make something more intelligent emerge. But I think there's, like, as you say, there seems to be something substantially lacking behind that. And that needs, needs to be a more, like maybe we also talked about the danger of following a more principled approach because principles can sometimes break down in the application cases and as has already been famously in the in the first um, AI winter where no one believed neural networks could actually work because people showed from principles that they couldn't work and then just trying it out and engineering them and just training them with a lot of data suddenly seemed to work perfectly well. I think there also always needs to be this trade-off, but I think like especially looking at neuroscience, as you say, and looking how could the brain work, like what are the principles human intelligence um, works on and really look at that and be inspired to to think how can we change the architectures that we program every day and that are starting to really shape our, our civilization as well yeah and the core of of active inference uh, is, is is a dynamic system so it's it's motion inertia or whatever you want to call it that's 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 let's say if i'm Make a link to neural networks. That's part of a neuron, uh, and and I think that's that's uh, important because the world and the, our brains, of course, are intelligent because they they they, they start to understand the world. But the, the world around us is shaped on spatial and temporal, uh, let's say, uh, truths. Um, and the fact that active inference has that on board in in its native design in the core, uh, let's say, I think it's it's an important argument why indeed this could be the let's say next leap into true artificial intelligence hmm. how far do you think we are away from from getting these kind of true or more general intelligence oh my opinion i think i still think we're far far away uh we, we just start to unreal little parts of it uh, uh, and uh, I don't believe that there will be a, uh, an, 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 let's say sudden breakthrough that uh, tomorrow there is something or next year uh, or coming years or whatever decades. I think we're, we're still uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, far away from, from detecting it and maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, maybe. I think it there might be this interesting correlation between how how strongly people uh, look at the brain and at neuroscience for inspiration because if you if you are in the world of um, deep neural networks and see how well they work it's i think it's easy to get kind of maybe a bit arrogant even with uh, like in your faith and how much these architectures can achieve and how close we are to general ai but if you look at the brain and we really see how little we understand of the brain how we don't even know the basic coding principles um, how to really extract um, the necessary information from fmri data from eg data from spike trains i mean there's a lot we know but we yep. don't really have, have have a big kind of um, vision of of what's going on there and we are really very far away from understanding our own intelligence so that's also my intuition but i think that's something uh, that's not really coming from the AI side, but more from the neuroscience perspective, it gives a certain humbleness to to what we are doing. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And and I also believe to your remark that that's, uh, empir empirical results will uh, drive us forward. I don't believe that more difficult math formulations will help us. I think we, we, we are probably looking towards in you know, the, the same way that neural networks uh, were born, in the sense that uh, it it was the practical results uh, and the and the math needed to follow, and and I still think we're we're falling short in even the correct mathematical language that we need to try to express what's actually happening in a neural network, uh, and that's even a simple, you know, uh, concept compared to what. A full hierarchical dynamical system like uh, active inference is proposing. So um, uh, I, I, I do believe that indeed uh, empirical 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 results are the are the, the next step. Yeah. So talking about like empirical results and connections to the real world, AI is really already shaping the business world quite substantially. 
And maybe as a general question, based on your experiences also working in these big companies and having to react to advances in technology and also seeing the opportunities behind that, um, how is AI and big data kind of shaping the, the business strategy at the moment and how, how businesses operate? I think most businesses, uh, in the meantime, uh, as we say it in Dutch, the quarter fell. So uh, there is all everywhere the aha moment, like okay, this this is this is this is determining our future. Um, I think uh, uh, some some companies uh, uh, earlier than other companies, um, a lot of business opportunities uh, because it dramatically changed the whole competitive landscape. So massive interest, of course. Uh, uh, data and data analytics, etc., is, is an older uh, occupation uh, already known in these companies and uh, many companies, and uh, let's say often uh, used to, to let's say to generate insights from uh, data type of missions. Uh, uh, but of uh, of course, having worked for a car company, uh, it's far more than than just uh, generating insights. It it starts. Uh, it is in the core, of course, of the of the future of uh, autonomous drive. Uh, as you can imagine, there's a massive amount of interest. So, uh, and and that's not just simply departments anymore. That are uh, that are strategic alliances that are, uh, let's say, uh, uh, starting uh, whole new companies with uh, massive uh, investments in engineering uh, and capability, etc., uh, uh, etc. Et so the. The, the 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 let's say if you're uh, if you're a student and you're studying uh, AI, I think your uh, uh, your future uh, is is bright. There will be in the foreseeable future many many uh, demands to um, to 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 knowledgeable people that have insights in this and can uh, can contribute uh, because uh, again it's it's uh, it's still um, I think if if we're if we, uh, if I can compare it, we're still at the start of the digital revolution. It's this. This will not stop. Um, uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, very soon. This. 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 Uh, uh, let's say gigantic increase of capabilities will uh, only continue to uh, to, to mount. Mm. Do you think, in a in a different way, the current AI technology is also a bit overhyped and like everyone is trying to jump on the train, but doesn't really have actual users for, for this technology. No, no, let's say it's, it's overhyped. So uh, if people start uh, uh, yelling, uh, uh, tomorrow the world will go down, I think, uh, you know, that that will not happen. Um, of course, it has a dramatic impact on uh, on our world um, uh, already, and uh, you know there are some very interesting uh, 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 series or movies uh, published about the impact of uh, of AI on social media and then the impact on, on people, uh, uh, where you can also already see happening how 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 uh, uh, artificial intelligence optimized to drive. Profits of uh, tech companies might be uh, upsetting uh, or, uh, let's say, uh, uh, being problematic for societies. Um, so, so yeah, uh, active inference uh, is, is already massively changing our worlds. Uh, so I think overhyped. Uh, I understand why people are saying that. Uh, yes, we, we expect, uh, let's say, too much in the media, but be careful in the meantime uh, things are really changing fast yeah my view yeah i i definitely agree i mean it's country also been thinking about uh listen to a podcast about these deep fakes the this media that you can artificially generate based uh, like following certain distribution these general adversarial networks and I think it also ties in nicely with what we have with what we've talked about because um, what you really look at in these in these generative models is also uh, you minimize the free energy basically so and these models allow you to generate images of people that don't exist and if you if you have some certain um, like spoken like language data from from a person if i have a recording of you talking for five hours i can feed that into my algorithm that algorithm really builds a model of what your voice 
sounds like and how your voice functions and how you, how you speak. And then based on this internal model, you can generate completely new output. You can basically generate a prediction in that framework of how it would sound like if you said something. And that makes it really is also going to have a big impact on, on our media landscape because that allows you to simply generate a soundbite of a politician that you want to uh, like create a smear campaign against. You can create create a fake video of, of a person doing something embarrassing, for example. And this is all based on on these algorithms and basically kind of the, the free energy principle and these things inspired by, by the brain as well. Yeah, no, I, I used the same example when I was on stage uh, a year ago. I mean, if, if for humans it becomes really hard to distinguish what is real and what is fake, bloody hell, then we have a problem. Yeah. yeah. What do you think we can do against these, these deep fakes? Do you have any ideas? No, I see all companies that that uh, generate deep fake detectors. Um, so we, we have to start building defense layers as well against this type of um, attacks. Uh, I think that uh, that's, that's great to see that uh, companies are actively uh, also are aware of the consequences of this technology. And again, it's not stating about that the technology is good or bad. It's like a gun. It depends on who has it in its hands and how it is being used. But of course, the potential of this technology is uh, far bigger than uh, than uh, ever has been because it uh, it can it, it you know it's so easy to uh, indeed uh, to your own words make a deep fake and send it to so many people it's uh, uh, it's it's or create a botnet that's that's uh, or, or fake user groups and god knows whatever you, you let's say the list is endless so that's uh, that's going to be a challenge indeed to uh, start recognizing it and uh, uh, figure out how to, uh, to find a strategy against it. Do you think um, people like us working in AI research and in, in this whole area of neuroscience, AI, computer science, do we have kind of an ethical obligation to, to keep watching what happens with our technology? You mentioned the example of the gun, um, like, is a gun manufacturer in a way responsible for what happens with a gun in the long run, or is, are we like, should we still be curiosity driven and ultimately like be motivated by by the ideals and try to focus on them? Yeah, it's quite an interesting social dilemma. Of course, the answer is yes, uh, but on the other hand, you cannot say let's stop and uh, let's ignore. Uh, there is no uh, atom bomb. Uh, you know that will that that then simply somebody else will uh, develop it and uh, you, have, you have a bigger problem i think uh, uh, the, let's say you have to uh, you have to be conscious about it you have to think uh, you know and, and and agree to some uh, some some measures and uh, i do believe we have atomic weapons that could kill the planet and we are as human race sensible enough not to use them uh, hopefully also not in the coming hundreds of years uh, 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 but but yeah I'm pretty sure for AI we also figure out a, me- a mechanism what we what we should do uh, and then there's all kind of movements uh, many uh, forums uh, responsible AI ethical AI all kind of concepts are being developed as uh, uh, I think especially Europe is, is pressing forward but also the US etc so I, I do believe that that of course we still have to grapple with this topic, but it doesn't help to put your head into the sand and then just uh, hope it goes away. That is not. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, you already talked a bit about how you got into uh, the, the like the, the mathematics and the, the field again after taking a longer break of of mathematics and the, these kind of topics and um, is there anything you can like specifically recommend to people new to to the field and wanting to get into ai research wanting to get into data science want to wanting to educate themselves about the topic and where to start what to what to read what to see, look at oh yeah absolutely and um, uh, as, as i said before um, uh, Oh, on the internet is also the, 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 the beautiful forum where there's many, many and uh, useful information uh, that can get you started. I would argue just start uh, and start, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, programming your first neural network. Uh, just experience it and, uh, and by that internalize it 
what it really means. Uh, uh, go to uh, Kaggle and you'll find uh, many startup courses to uh, to get started in the in the neural networks and uh, uh, just start uh, trying it out for yourself. It's not that hard. Um, uh, frameworks like you know when you in the, in the in, uh, at the start a couple of years ago uh, you, you you almost needed a PhD in uh, TensorFlow to actually understand it. Uh, now it's not needed anymore. Uh, Keras is integrated in TensorFlow. Uh, even I can do it, so uh, you can do it as well. Uh, I would argue it's it's quite straightforward to to try and build a couple of networks. Uh, try the Hello World MNIST uh, uh, for starters. Do uh, do a reinforcement learning by. Uh, by uh, trying out uh, to win a simple Atari game, uh, let's say it's it's all um, uh, uh, the, the stepping in is quite uh, made quite easy. Uh, if you are interested in active inference, I think we referred already uh, ten times uh, to my Kaggle notebooks. Uh, have a look. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So so just start over there. I really did my best to make it simple for everybody to to get started. Uh, and uh, let's say the the only thing, of course, is yeah, it's kind of it's 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 more difficult now to find the the, the right uh, let's say uh, starting point because there's so much on the internet uh, which one is the right one to start but I, I would say uh, try Kaggle uh, uh, and uh, train the stuff in the cloud don't start build your own PC or, or try to install uh, uh, you know and TensorFlow in, in Ubuntu uh, etc all really difficult just uh, use a, a Kaggle uh, notebook in the cloud and it's all arranged for you and you can easily start yeah maybe on a more like personal note how has like, um your experience in the business world helped you in any way with your PhD now? Or is there kind of a fruitful um, collaboration between these two modes of thinking and approaching problems and thinking about the world? Yeah, I think uh, people often talk about the T profile. So in my whole business career, I've been busy to, to, to create a very broad roof of the T. Uh, to have had many roles and executive levels, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 of the T-shape, the, 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 the horizontal roof part for me is now very broad and that helps me. But of course, now in the, in the, in the, in the science part, you, the, 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 let's say the vertical T part or the, the let's say has to be much deeper than, uh, than I had. So it's, it's both an advantage and a disadvantage. Uh, of course, my advantage is that, uh, let's say, uh, uh, the, the, the broadness to understand and to, 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 to compare it with big IT programs or projects where you take certain steps and certain approaches to structure things and, 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 and get to intermediate results. And, uh, you know, the agile methodologies work in short cycles and all these type of things. Uh, make me self-motivating, self-propelling, uh, self-organizing, all these beautiful words that you want. Uh, yeah. And then, the, of course, my, my challenge then is, the, is, the, is, the, is the, let's say, the, the, the math and the probability theories and the uh, dynamical system theories and uh, uh, to, to get deep and deeper into these type of worlds. Um, there, for me, I, I see it always as a challenge and... Uh, in the, in the south of the Netherlands, uh, uh, we have this saying uh, uh, that uh, that is uh, that sort of not well seen. That is roughly translates. Uh, we will we will see about it, uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, that means that's just motivation to get your teeth into it and uh, and uh, and uh, figure it out. And then uh, you know, once you figure out uh, again a very complicated math formula from Carl, then uh, I'm actually quite proud of myself. Like, hey, bloody hell, I understand it. Uh, uh, so, so, uh, so you find your motivational moments to, uh, to, to, to move forward and, uh, and have fun. Uh, there's one thing I can give everybody, just have fun in it because, uh, that's a, a true motivational driver. Yeah. It's also considering it's a theory that people, a lot of people say it's really hard to understand or you can't understand. And then like uncovering some part of that is really a beautiful feeling. And also seeing kind of a lot of different things light up. And I think especially for me with cognitive neuroscience and this whole theory of cognition, it's really, I mean, you're, you are a cognitive system 24 hours of the day, maybe not in deep sleep, but it's just like everything is cognition and it's so fascinating to just walk around in the world and 
read about these theories and then apply them to yourself and the way you see yourself and the way you you see the world i think that's something that's deeply motivating and, and oh, true I'm, i'm uh i'm new to the world of neurosciences and uh, how the brain works so i'm i'm uh, listening to podcasts reading books uh etc etc and uh, it's just fascinating world oh yeah maybe as a, as a last question is there any i think maybe the answer is already obvious from what we talked about but is there just one scientific riddle that you could uncover what would it be uh, scientific riddle like uh, i mean everything maybe like a scientific theory like scientific question also uh, oh i i let's say i i i'm what i'm actually working on so i try to find the next enrichment to active inference or neural networks by 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 combining both uh, for example by uh, deep active inference uh, uh, networks um, uh, 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 or combination of the action added neural networks i think somewhere is a is a potential breakthrough in, in the next little step of trying uh, to understand uh, true intelligence And I keep my uh, goals very modest, so I, I'm not trying to invent the whole artificial intelligence. So I focus on early primal potential, uh, let's say, live beings that could have been there that have a simple activator and a simple, uh, let's say, uh, sensor, and they need to survive. Uh, uh, and they have some, uh, some, some things that they can do and how then active inference could have Uh, let's say, um, uh, uh, let's say, contributed to to the birth of uh, of uh, uh, repeatable instincts towards intelligence. Uh, and if I can contribute somewhere in that in that domain by by applying active inference in in, in a robotic type of setting, I would be most happy. Okay. Yeah. That I wish you definitely wish you best of luck with that. And thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. It's really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for asking me. Really enjoyed it. Yeah.